Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 290. It's time for my first cruise review of 2019, and this week, I've got an in-depth review for you of our recent four-night sailing on Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas. It's my fourth time on this ship, and this week, I'll be talking all about my experiences on board with the Ultimate Dining Package, visiting Cozumel, cruising without my kids, and everything else in between. Here we go. Well, we're back from Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Season. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it is a four-night sailing, and actually this is the fourth time we've done this four-night sailing on Brilliance out of Tampa. And for me, the reason why I keep going on these sailings and the ship in particular is because it represents a fantastic weekend escape. You know, a lot of times when you talk about cruises that go over a weekend, usually the attention shifts over to the three-night sailings, and usually when the shifts over to the ports that are on the eastern and southern side of Florida, primarily because I think there's just so much more of them, they're more frequently offered, and as a result, I think they get a lot of the lion's share attention, especially recently with some of the changes to uh, the fleet with the Royal Amplified program. And of course, the Amplified program, by the way, is that uh, ongoing process to uh, renovate and upgrade the Freedom, Voyager, and Oasis class ships that are out there. That's a topic for another day, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with those. In fact, those are great choices, and my next Royal Caribbean cruise will be going on a Voyager class ship that's been amplified, so obviously I'm going right back there to try those out. But, you know what? Brilliant sells out of Tampa in the wintertime, and she offers a variety of itineraries. Usually, they're four- and five-night itineraries out of Tampa, and the four-nighters tend to start on a Thursday and then come back on a Monday. So what that really means is, for me, since I live in the Orlando area, is we can go on the cruise, hop over there on, on Thursday, take two days off of work, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, enjoy the cruise, and then, of course, back to work on Monday. In fact, I can be back in the office, so to speak, my home office anyway right around 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, really, it works out quite well. And, you know, something I've really want, the, the theme for this cruise that I've, I've, I've kind of talked about a little bit, if you watch any of my live broadcasts on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, was that, you know, this cruise was really about kind of just having a nice little escape. Like, you know, sometimes you plan these cruises and you, you'll plan, you know, these awesome, epic vacations that you count down to for months and you know they're seven night cruises or maybe they're going to some crazy places you've never been before and these are amazing and I love those kind of cruises and it really is I think what gets all of us really going to you know get excited for any upcoming cruise but in between you can't do those all the time you got to work and you got to make things happen right you don't have unlimited vacation time you don't have unlimited budget Um, but the nice thing about living in Florida is being able to take advantage of the shorter sailings that allow you to simply escape. Now, not everybody can do this, and I understand that, but if you do live in an area in which you have access to a nice little weekend cruise that doesn't require, uh, you know, a significant cost for, like, flying or time or anything like that, you know, if you can make it work, if you can squeeze one in, that's the best way to kind of describe it, I really think these are really awesome ways to, uh, complement and augment your otherwise cruise experience. I mean, Brilliance is still a great ship for anybody who's looking to go on a cruise. I mean, even if it's your first sailing, I think Brilliance is a fantastic ship for that. Uh, it offers quite a bit. It's not one of the bigger ships in the fleet. It's, you know, it's it's uh, about 2,000 passengers at double occupancy, a little more than that, but I think 2,100, something like that. And it's a Radiance class ship. And what's really interesting about it, of course, is the the nature of the ship. Is it's it's a smaller ship, but not like we're not talking Majesty or or Empress small. It's kind of a little bit bigger than that. But it offers some terrific things to do on board. 
great staff members. Uh, just, you know, it, it's a total package, and it is a bit of a throwback, the old style of cruising. I'm not even talking about maybe even Majesty or Empress. I'm talking about the classic cruise experience that I think if you've been cruising for a while, it's probably that experience that you have probably remember in the beginning of your cruising experience. If you're new to cruising, it is really that cruise ship view in which you have glistening glass all over you, views of the ocean, lots of fun things to do on board and eat. And I think Brilliance hits all those notes. It's a really great sailing. In fact, if you can do it, a nice little strategy also, this is true of a lot of different ships, is, you know, sometimes I think we get hung up on, oh, we're, we want to take a week off for a vacation. Let's look at the seven or eight or nine night sailings. But don't forget, you know, you go on like a Brilliance, you could do a four night and a five night or back to back. And, you know, in the case of Brilliance, which is nice, you're going to change up the itinerary. So it's not just, you know, uh, two stops in the Bahamas as an example. You're going to different places. You get to go on, you know, a couple more nights, perhaps even more than a seven-night cruise, and you get a wonderful experience. Plus, the value that is really amazing with these Radiance-class ships. So, for the ship, uh, we actually did not sail with our kids. We had booked them into the room originally, but decided, you know what, we wanted to enjoy some time alone, and um, me and my wife, that is. And uh, we were lucky in that my parents offered to uh, babysit them and come over and and spend some time with them, which is great because they live out of state, and that gives them an opportunity to see them. And for us, obviously, it's an opportunity to just kind of get away. So it worked out pretty well. I wouldn't mind taking my kids on here, but I'll tell you that uh, I think <laughs> I think everybody came away uh, winners in this one, a little different break, family vac- vacation sort of thing. So anyway, let's talk about the room we booked, which was a, a standard ocean view balcony room on Deck 9. By the way, I love, love, love Deck 9. It is my favorite spot for Brilliance of the Seas. The reason being is by being on Deck 9, you're two decks away from the pool deck. So very convenient to the solarium, to the pool deck, to the spa. Two decks is easily walkable. Very, very good. And then, of course, down to the centrum area, or really what I think most people end up spending a lot of time on deck six and deck five to some extent, that's only, you know, four or five decks. But going down is easy. Anybody can walk down. You know, to get from nine to six is three decks. That's an easy walk. So I really like nine. Uh, nine also has above and below it state other stateroom, so it's great for noise and um, it's my favorite deck. Now, as I mentioned, we did do a balcony room, and originally we had booked uh, all four of us in here, me, my wife, my two kids, and obviously the kids didn't go on this sailing, and I'm telling you that uh, while I do enjoy cruising with my kids, it would have been a tight fit in that room. Uh, it is not the largest balcony room I've ever stayed in, and it would have worked. There was a Pullman bed that came down from the ceiling. Those are the ones that, like, just the, the stateroom attendant brings down for you, and then the sofa essentially turned into a a bed, and that would have allowed everybody to sleep there, but, you know, it would have been a tight fit. Now, four-nights, not a big deal. It's I think there is a big difference when you're going with three or four-nighters versus seven-nighters in terms of trying to squeeze people in there, but as many of you know, I highly advocate going for two rooms. I'm, I'm you know, the reason we did this particular option originally was there was a kid sale-free deal, so by adding them into the room, all four of us in one room, we saved a ton of money compared to if we had booked it you know, two different rooms. Now, granted, you know, that was product of the kids' sale free deal. And I'll tell you that I think we've kind of reached that point now where we're thinking to ourselves, you know, having all four of us in a room was an option, maybe not the best option, but an option. And now I think they're starting to get big enough that we really looked around and be like, oh, this is this is not going to be as conducive as it once was because it's they're not they're not little they're not little little kids anymore. They're just kids now and it's kinda Kids take up a lot more space and, you know, one bathroom. Uh, I'm not so sure I would go for that uh, again. But anyway, for the two of us, it was great. You got two people in there, no problems at all. 
Um, you know, it, like I say, it's a standard balcony room on Brilliance. Uh, this is not only a room we've stayed in before on Brilliance of the Seas, but this is pretty typical of any, I think, balcony room you do on a Royal Caribbean ship. There's nothing that, you know, makes it different or special or anything like that. It is, you know, a room that has a private balcony, which is quite nice. Uh, once again, I think I've talked about this theme uh, last year. I spent very little time out there. I just am not a balcony guy, like, in the sense of, like, I'm going to spend hours and hours over there. I did spend a lot of time outdoors and by the pool, but not so much by the balcony. But that's just me. My wife enjoys the balcony. And, hey, if the price, if the price difference isn't too bad, usually it makes a lot more sense to j- just to jump up to that. Now, we did buy for this uh, cruise the Ultimate Dining Package and the drink, the Deluxe Beverage Package, a.k.a. the Unlimited Alcohol Package for the sailing. And we did so primarily for the reason of, well, we just wanted to indulge. I think that's really what it boiled down to. We knew we were going to buy the drink package ahead of time because we were traveling with friends on this cruise. No kids. You do the math on that one. But at the same time, we weren't planning any dining package primarily because they weren't offered. Yeah, when we booked the sailing... There were no dining packages available, and then literally about a week or two before the sailing, they just popped up over there. And I'm not sure exactly why. I think the working theory is that our cruise left on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And so I think Royal was trying to see, okay, how many people would buy a, you know, book pay full price for a restaurant option to go to, especially a restaurant over the holidays, and pay more rather than offering a discounted dining package. And I think they kind of rolled the dice on this and kind of figured out, "Mm, you know what, not as many people as we thought were going to do it, we're going to offer dining packages. So, you know, it just, I guess the lesson to be learned here is uh, just because you don't see a dining package offered on your sailing doesn't mean there won't be one offered. Always keep an eye on it. Doesn't mean there will show one. As an example, when we went on Symphony of the Seas last uh, November, just a couple months ago, there were no dining packages ever offered. Well, that's not true. They were offered for like half a day, like a year or two before the sailing. But the point is, is that they were never showed back up again. So, Dining packages may or may not show up, but it's up to you to check on it and see if it is there. If it is there and you know you want to get it, as always, I advocate pre-purchasing anything you know you absolutely want to get. Dining packages, shore excursions, uh, drink packages, lock in that price. Not just adding it to your cart, but actually book it. Because again, don't forget, you can always cancel. You get a full refund. There's no penalty for canceling your pre-cruise purchases. If the price goes down, you can cancel and rebook immediately to take advantage of that price drop. And obviously, if you change your mind later, well, you can always, you know, cancel that. Or more likely, if the price goes up, you know, you book it and then two months later, the price goes up, you're 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 locked in. You've already got the lower price. And I'm telling you, every couple every week or so, I definitely get a message or an email from somebody who says, Matt, I you know, I was gonna buy the drink package or the or the I don't know, some of the experience, some tour, and the price went up, and I was like, not much you you know, they ask if there's a sale or something. I'm like I don't know, but it's just, you know, just remember, you got to make sure you, um, you you book these things in advance. So, a little bit of a lesson there. Uh, in terms of the, uh, so the Ultimate Dining Package, our thought was go big or go home, right? Book the Dining Package. Um, it was available there. The difference between the Ultimate Dining Package and, like, a three-night package was fairly in, insubstantial. And, of course, you get, the, you get the lunches. What was kind of interesting about this was we had heard from other guests uh, that they were able, with the Ultimate Dining Package, to eat at a specialty restaurant for lunch on embarkation day. Now, technically, if you read the rules of the ultimate dining package, it only includes lunches on sea days. And embarkation day is not a sea day, it's a port day. You're in a port. It's called embarkation port. Uh, so it doesn't count. And But we've heard of people having luck. And so we said, all right, let's give it a try. So we got on board Brilliance of the Seas, and we went to Chops Grill, and Chops was indeed open. They said, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to. We told them we have the ultimate dining package. 
wondering if we can eat lunch here today. And they said, absolutely. Not even a not even a whim of a, I don't know. They just did it. And this goes to show you a couple of things. Number one, Royal Caribbean is a little inconsistent sometimes with its um, with some of its options, its offerings. This is not unusual, not unheard of. If you've cruised with Royal uh, over the years, you're probably aware of many situations in which the rules say one thing, but in practicality can go another way. But it also proves the old saying that it doesn't hurt to ask. I mean, I went in there with the expectation, look, if they say it, sir, no, we can't do it, then it'd be perfectly okay. And certainly I'm telling anybody listening to this, if you're going on a cruise and you have the ultimate dining package, you should go into it with the with to- the idea that it'll be totally okay if they tell you no. Never mind what happened to me, what happened to anybody else. Sometimes you've got a crew member who's wor- willing to work with you, other times not. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. And the worst they'll ever tell you is no. So we went in there with that, with that mindset. Hey, if they say no, no big deal. But they took us in. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever on any Royal Cruise I've been on, I did not eat lunch on Embarkation Day at the Windjamere. I, I, it's the first time I've ever that's ever happened to me. I didn't even think about it until after. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't go to the Windjamere for Embarkation Day lunch. So it's crazy. But you know, because the, the only reason we did it was for the ultimate dining package. It made sense for that. But again, you should something to look for, something to ask. You know, certainly for going into it. In terms of the other meals, we ate at. Uh, the three restaurants that are available on board Brilliance of the Seas, Chops Grill, Izumi, Giovanni's, great meals all around, uh, great staff. We had no issues getting reservations. In fact, we walked on the ship and the, as you know, when you have a dining package, any dining package, you trade off the ability to make reservations in advance. You must wait until you're on board the ship to make reservations. You're saving a lot of money in exchange for some flexibility on Royal Caribbean's part that they can sell reservations to other people and you fill in the gaps. So, but anyway, we came on board the ship and immediately as we boarded the ship, like actually stepped foot on board, there were a number of crew members that were standing around trying to sell dining reservations. And we said, we have the ultimate dining package. Can you book it for us? Absolutely. And so in five minutes, I had all my reservations all set. What was interesting is they were all writing it down on a piece of paper. Like they would say, they had a little sheet with them and they said, okay, what's your name? What's your cabin number? What restaurant and time do you want? So I told them, I said, all right, I want Chops Girl at six on day one or Day two, Zumi day one, shop, uh, Zumi at six o'clock. We did six o'clock every night, and I gave them the order of the restaurants they wanted. Now, we walked away from that. I looked at my wife and said, you know, I'm not sure this is really uh, – they wrote it down on a piece of paper. That doesn't mean the – you know, it's, it's in the system, so to speak. So I said, you know what, mental note, later this evening, let's go and make sure. And, sure, and I went to the Diamond Lounge later and asked the Diamond Concierge if they could verify it. And absolutely, they had it all in there. So that worked out. And But – you know, again, here's another lesson something we've talked about before is if you have a dining package, always, always make sure to book your reservations as soon as you get on board. Not only should you do it on embarkation day, you should make it the first thing you do just to get it out of the way and assure yourself of the most availability because a lot of other guests will be boarding after you and they're going to make reservations. And I think the mistake people make with the dining package is not booking it. In it, not not booking it as soon as you can, waiting with it. You know, the the worst case being the, the person who has the dining package and you know waits till day three or four for one of their reservations. It's not that it's, it, that it's a mistake per se, but you're setting yourself up for a potential situation in which there are not going to be any options for you. So just something to keep in mind. But the food was great. Um, you know, it, these were not you know no new menus, nothing crazy with this option. I thought that uh, everything was the service was very good across the board. We certainly enjoyed all our meals there. I could certainly get used to having, um, you know, a Zoomie for lunch every day, as, as I pretty much did. So, you know, it's uh, it's 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 pretty good option. I'll tell you the, the worst thing I tell you about the ultimate dining package is it's a lot of food. 
I mean, really, I think by day two, if not day three for sure, we were stopping eating. We were not eating breakfast anymore. It didn't make any sense. It was because if we ate breakfast, because we're not waking up at like you know six a.m. If because but if you eat breakfast and then you have a full sit down meal for lunch, a full sit down meal sit down meal for dinner, you're not hungry, right? Unless you start really stretching out your meals, like you eat at seven a.m. for breakfast, you have like a one o'clock dinner or lunch, and then like an eight o'clock dinner or something like that. Then maybe you'll start getting hungry. But we were really running into a situation which we simply weren't hungry. So. Anyway, well, that you know, that's the hashtag first world problems right there. In terms of the dr- drink package, uh, we got that. I took advantage of a sale that came my way towards the uh, almost towards the sailing, the beginning of the sailing, I should say. What was interesting about this is, by the way, if you're going to get the drink package, I always, always, always advocate pre-purchasing it. What was interesting was I was on board the ship. There was a flyer for what they said was Bogo, buy one get one, fifty uh, percent off um, if you bought it on board. Now the onboard price was seventy dollars, which is a lot. And then you asked the bartender. Now, I didn't actually do the math, so I'm going off what the bartender told me. Bartender told me essentially what it boils down to is about $25 off a person. And then what was more interesting was, well, I'm a Royal Caribbean Crown and Anchor Diamond Plus member, and we get 30% off drink packages. And he, the bartender indicated that I could actually stack that BOGO deal that was offered on board with the Diamond Plus discount. And that might have actually been a better deal than pre-purchasing it. Now... There is one huge reason I don't advocate doing this, uh, among other reasons. But the number one reason I still wouldn't do it, even if I knew this ahead of time, is simply because I like pre-purchasing. I don't want the bill at the end. And, you know, when you're talking about two drink packages on a four-night sale, you're talking about probably, I think that comes into around somewhere in the ballpark about $400 or so, not a little bit more. I don't want that bill at the end. I want to be able to pre-book that and pay off that part on a different credit card bill and then get my onboard purchases, you know, when we're on the sailing on a different billing cycle. You know what I mean? So I still think pre-purchasing your drink package is the absolute way to go. And obviously not everybody listening to this podcast is Diamond Plus either, so you don't all qualify for the 30% off. And on top of all that, there's nothing to be, there's no way to know what onboard discounts, if anything, will be available. This is the first time I've ever seen this BOGO deal being there. Uh, So... You know, it is what it is. The drink package is exactly what I've said about it over the many years. It is very convenient. It is great for budgeting. And it's a lot of fun. But it's also a lot of drinks and a lot of drinking simply for the sake of drinking, right? You've got 10 minutes to kill somewhere. You're waiting for your reservation. What do you do? Let's go to the bar and have a drink. You're sitting at the show, waiting for the show to start. Let's have a drink. You're at the restaurant eating a meal of many meals with the specialty dining package. And inevitably, the waiters ask, would you like something to drink? Well, sure, we got a drink package. Why not? So you end up drinking for the sake of drinking. And on top of that, your drink package actually may end up influencing what you do on board, or on shore, rather, uh, in your shore excursions. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, uh, it's just, it's it's a lot to drink. And, you know, it's fun. I'm not going to deny that. But I think, you know, and I say this every time, it's like, well, from a pure... Am I drinking enough or am I enjoying the drink package? Is it worth it? And for me, no, it's just because it's just, I'm not, you know, I feel like I'm just drinking for the sake of drinking. But, but being able to budget your drinks ahead of time is huge. And that way, when we're hanging in with friends or we're being social or just being out, you can grab a drink and not have to worry about that, like, that, that thought in your mind, oh gosh, do I really need this drink or do, should I save the money, you know? And, these are all X factors. I can't like quantify this or and say, oh, it's you know X to X plus B minus Z divided by C equals you know our answer. Like it doesn't work that way. This isn't a simple math problem. This is actually a 
very much a gut check, a a conversation with yourself about, hmm, does the drink package make sense? So we did it. It was, you know, I I'm, I'll, I'm, I know I'm going to get it again, but I'm also here to tell uh, the first one to tell you that it's it's probably a lot for most people. I think a lot of people walk away from the drink package saying, you know, it was fun. But, boy, was there a lot of drinking, and I'm not sure I, w- I actually needed to drink all that that I drank. But, you know, again, from a budget standpoint alone, that kind of makes some sense. Now, Cozumel was the only, one and only port stop we went to. It was a four-night sailing. And we went to Paradise Beach. Paradise Beach is a well-known beach option in uh, Cozumel. I actually wrote up a review of this on RoyalCareenBlog.com this week. I got back from the cruise, and the first thing I did was write about what I did over there. Uh, but Paradise Beach is a – what's nice about Paradise Beach in Cozumel is you pay $3 for admission. And that's it. You can walk in, enjoy the beach, enjoy their pool. Anywhere in the facilities, you can enjoy it, which is really, really nice because it is a well-kept beach, an incredible pool. In fact, they advertise as the largest heated pool in Cozumel, which actually might not sound like a big deal unless you've been to the other pools in Cozumel that are almost always frigid, (laughs) which, look, if it's July and a 1,000 degrees out, it's kind of refreshing. But in a lot of cases, there's a lot of the... You kids go in first. I'll be right there. I'm getting too old for this stuff. But it was nice. It's a beautiful place. And the great thing about Paradise Beach, in a nutshell, is if you're not looking for an all-inclusive option and or you are looking for maybe not even a full day at the beach, maybe you want to go downtown, do some shopping, some eating, and then go to the beach or vice versa. Basically, you want a partial day at the beach. But you're not willing to compromise. You don't want to say, like, well, I'm just going to go to any, you know, schmo beach that's out there. There's a lot of public beaches or other options, they're not the most compelling ones. They're not as uh, beautiful, certainly, as, as I think Paradise Beach's beaches. And so as a result, um, I think it's a really great choice for that reason. Now, Paradise Beach does offer an all-inclusive option now. It's it's a kind of a new thing. I did not get it, primarily because I didn't think it was a very good deal. It's like $63, I think, was the rate that you had to get. You did not include all the liquor. Um, you know, included food. I think that's probably the, the number one draw, but I just don't think I get the money value out of it. And something I alluded to earlier was if you if you have the drink package on board Royal Caribbean, it's kind of hard to justify spending another couple hundred dollars on a essentially a drink package, all inclusive drink option in Mexico. It's like, yeah, it's nice, but you know, I, I'm getting all these drinks on board the ship. It's not like you know you need to. Now, if the if it was the opposite, if you had not gotten the drink package, drinking on shore is a great idea because you can save a ton of money doing it that way. So I know we didn't do that. We just paid as we went. And I think for the six of us, there was uh, four adults, two kids. We ended up, I think, walking away from there with a bill of about $225, let's say. That includes, by the way, the uh, admission as well. Between so food, drinks, and admission. We did not get the water. There's a water park option. I didn't get there. I'm too old for that. I can't do that anymore. Plus, my kids weren't there. So for sure, I was going to get that. Uh, so there were definitely some more opportunities to spend money. But you know, at about $35 a head, that's really not bad. And that included, you know, a couple of me- we had breakfast and lunch there, a number of drinks, and it worked out pretty well. So, you know, Paradise is fine. I, my biggest issue with it, and this was kind of on me, was we, we started out at the beach and then went to the pool. The problem was you're assigned a attendant for the whole day, a waiter that works with you. But our waiter, once we moved, we were at the beach, we had no problems. But then we went to the pool. I think most of his other clients were in the beach. So it was really a struggle to find him at the end. And what we should have done was just close the, the bill out and then move to the pool and got a new waiter who was primarily working the pool area. So food for thought. Now, that's – and again, there's nothing wrong with going from one to the other in the sense of, oh, I'm going to go in the pool for a little bit. But your home base remains where that is. That's fine. It's more of a, hey, I'm in the pool. I want to order drinks from the pool kind of situation. That was all. So not a big deal. But Paradise Beach is still a great value. If you're looking for an inexpensive beach day, 
it's probably the way to go. Assuming, of course, you don't want an all-inclusive option. If you are looking for all-inclusive, my two favorites still are El Cosmolino Resort, which offers day passes, and the world-famous Nachi Kokum, N-A-C-H-I-C-O-C-O-M, uh, as well. Those are really, really good choices um, there. In terms of on board the ship, uh, we had a nice time on there. Great live entertainment. In fact, we saw a show that I've never seen before. I was actually dragged to this show. This was a classic mat. I am, you know, it's funny that I fight things as much as I do sometimes, knowing how my track record for, I'm so bad at being able to properly predict which shows I will like and not like. And there was a show on there called The Las Vegas Tenors. And when someone mentioned that to me, I, I wish I could have shown, I wish I could convey, you know, audio form, how quickly I rolled my eyes at the idea. And I was just like, I was trying to think of it. Like, I really contemplated, my wife wanted to go, and I was like, I'm trying to think of, like, can I just say I don't want to go and just be, like, antisocial? And, like, you know, they, everyone would have understood, you know, but it was like, okay. So I was like, okay, fine, I have the drink package. I can always leave in the middle, right? And that's literally, I went into it the way my daughter goes into, like, you know, trying a piece of broccoli or something. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to hate this, you know? Anyway, whatever, there was a really good show really good there was three guys three gentlemen who are tenors and sang a number of songs they, did, they put on a really good show and i enjoyed it quite a bit that was new to me on there we saw a comedian the comedian was very good the comedian's obviously gonna be different almost every selling you go on he was you know it was enjoyable sometimes you go on these you see the comedians and it can be kind of hit or miss there's a lot of more a lot of peaks and valleys right a lot of really funny shtick and then some real duds in which you're like okay is this guy's act done yet but no problems there whatsoever. They did a great job there. We didn't see any of the production shows. We've seen them all before. They were not any different. So we decided to go. I don't know what we probably ended up drinking is what we ended up doing. But we went, we were in, you know, we were up at the pool. I spent a lot of time actually in the pool deck. I really love the solarium on Brilliance of the Seas. The solarium is, without a doubt, one of my favorites in the fleet, if not my favorite solarium in there. It's enclosed, it is uh, beautiful. Uh, very relaxing. I enjoy that solarium quite, quite a bit. Uh, that worked out really, really well. And uh, so I just, you know, went in doubt. I just laid down over there. I didn't really have any problems with the chair hog situation, which people were reserving chairs, except for the last day. The last C day, I definitely noticed. I got in early enough. I mean, you roll in at 10 a.m., you'll be fine. But, you know, I noticed a lot of people were reserving it then. And, you know, it was kind of like, huh, interesting. Um, I, the worst thing I can say about the pool area in general, especially the solarium, is that waiter service is nearly non-existent. Uh, you know, I, on the last day, I actually did see some waiters, but I think that's because the entire pool deck was so busy that they just had enough business to do it. But generally speaking, this is not the first time we've been on Brilliance, and I found that there's, I mean, this was true of definitely day one, two, and three in the Slayer, is there were no waiter service, which just boggles my mind, quite frankly. There is waiter service in the, waiters, you know, as in you're sitting in your chair and someone comes by and asks you, you want a drink. By the main pool, is not a problem with this, but... In this, for some reason, on Brilliance in the Solarium, that's never really been a thing. So, not the biggest deal in the world, just something to be aware of. And, um, you know, overall, we had a really nice time. We had great weather. Worked out quite well weather-wise. Uh, very, very sunny. Warm. Not extremely hot, but warm. Uh, never rained on us. And the oceans were quite calm as well. So, you know, really can't complain about anything uh, over there. But, you know, it's, you know, the bottom line is Brilliance really is a comfortable uh, mid-sized ship. That's really great for the short itineraries. For a four-night, five-night sailing, boy, you really can't go wrong with Brilliance. You know, it's it's a fantastic ship. I love that it goes out of Tampa. Uh, I I, we've, I think there's a reason why we keep going back. You know, it, it's it's the value. 
it's what the ship offers and the experience overall. So, you know, while we oftentimes talk about, and I talk about a lot about, you know, maybe the changes to the navigator of the seas and uh, mariner of the seas because of the Royal Amplified program and all that, that entails, and it, they deserve that kind of attention. Brilliance still remains an excellent choice for these, you know, shorter itineraries and even weekend sailings. And if you have the opportunity, forget brilliance, just not, not just brilliance, rather, I should say, you have the opportunity for a weekend cruise, a weekend relaxing, like getaway vacation. If you have one that's near you, do it. It's really you might be saying, is it worth it to go and you know book a four night cruise? Wouldn't I rather just do a seven night cruise later on? Do both. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Still book the seven night cruise, but work in that weekend getaway just to mix it up here and kind of you know even out your calendar, so to speak. It's it's a great choice. Alrighty, it's time to answer your Royal Caribbean emails. This is the part of the episode in which I dive into our Royal Caribbean blog inbox and answer the emails you've sent me. And if you're saying, wow, send Matt an email, I'd love to send Matt an email. Well, you can always do so with your question by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today is from Michelle, who is a Royal Caribbean blog insider, and she wrote here, shameless plug for you, Matt. Thank you, Michelle. I do appreciate shameless plugs to be a Royal Caribbean blog insider, of which you can become one as well by going to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. Michelle writes, just back from our fantastic cruise on Liberty this season, I wanted to share the disembarkation experience yesterday. Sadly, it was really rough. We were in a group of 20, the second non-elite Crown and Anchor group, scheduled to disembark around 9.15 a.m. We were not called until almost 10, and then it was almost two hours of standing in line before we made through customs. Our poor porter was averaging two parties an hour, which is especially bad for an employee who depends upon tips. I will say the port seemed to be trying to do the best they could. Their employees were all cheerful despite the moaning they were hearing, and they were quick. there were quick responses to the multiple requests for chairs or wheelchairs from people in line that were not able or prepared to stand for that long. I heard through the Facebook group for this cruise that the walk-offs went very smoothly, 20 to 30 minutes from being called to arriving at their car. As we were also delayed in boarding the Sunday before because of the slow embarkation, it feels like this may be an ongoing issue rather than a one-off. Perhaps people should be taking this into account when planning flights home. Galveston is an hour away or so from the Houston airports. We would have not arrived we would not have arrived at the airport before 1 p.m. Besides that, we had a great time. Liberty is a beautiful ship. The crew was very friendly, and we've discovered the aft verandas are the way to go. Michelle, thanks for the email, and I agree with everything you said there. And you're absolutely right, Michelle. The this is a this is a Galveston problem. This is a Galveston U.S. Customs problem. This Royal Caribbean can do nothing about this. When you walk off the ship and you go into that building, back on land, you are outside of Royal Caribbean's domain. Even if we're talking, you know, a Terminal A in Miami, which has a you know, it's Royal Caribbean's terminal, you know, as in they own the building or whatever. But you're not dealing with Royal Caribbean employees. The, you're dealing with the port. And in the case of Galveston, they have they are notorious for delays on disembarkation day because of U.S. Customs. They just take longer. Why? Who? I'm not going to get into it. It just happens. And Michelle's 100% right. If you're going to go on a cruise out of Galveston, there's nothing wrong with it. I've done that before. But do not plan on a 10 a.m. flight or something like that. You need to assume that it will take you quite a bit of time to get out of there, at least an hour. Uh, may not. And Michelle says if you really need to gun it, do that self-disembarkation early on. But yeah, it's uh, Michelle, you're far from the first person to ever bring that up. And I'm sorry you had to go through it. But again, I think the key is to just have be flexible with your plans and be able to come in a little later, and you're good to go. 
Next a video from Jason and Sasha Peterson of Altamont Springs, Florida. Matt, it was great meeting you and the other nice people at a recent Royal Green blog meetup. Hopefully there will be more events soon. I really enjoyed talking with people, even though I never met them before about cruising Royal Caribbean and everything else. It was like being seen with strangers at the same table in the main dining room on a cruise, but being able to have a great conversation. I asked if you knew the difference between the three-night specialty dining packages and the ultimate dining package on Mariner of the Seas Cruise, since the latter has a charge of $1 more. The ultimate dining package, of course, includes lunch on sea days, but the weekend three-night Bahamas cruises don't have a sea day. I did see that those who purchased the key have Chops lunch on day one, and James Italian was available to purchase for lunch on day one as well, so I'm hoping to be able to get in on one of those, but who knows. We did book the ultimate dining package because it was not allowing us to purchase the three-night package, even though it was in the cruise planner, so I'm definitely interested in your experience if or anyone else's about that. I also enjoyed your recent podcast about going to Cuba. We are definitely interested in booking one of these in the future, so the information was helpful. Jason, thank you for the email, and you just heard probably earlier in this episode. Um, while officially not on paper the reason, Jason, you should absolutely be going on board and asking, just like I did, Jason. But be, assume, you know, be okay with the answer being no, but you should go to Chops or Jamie's and say, hey, I might lean towards Jamie's if, if the key people are in Chops. But anyway, it doesn't matter. And say, hey, we've got the ultimate dining package. Can we eat lunch here today? That's your question. Like, don't go too much into it. You know what I mean? Don't have to like, uh, for zero dollars, can I eat here? And just be like, I have the ultimate dining package. Can I eat lunch here um, today? Hopefully it'll work out for you on your selling as well. Let's go to our next email. It is from uh, Adam from Janesville, Wisconsin, where the weather is currently minus 26 degrees with the wind chill of minus 50. Sounds like a warm day in Canada. Uh, Adam writes, we went on a Disney cruise, sorry, Canada. We went on a Disney cruise about the aboard the Disney Dream back in December 2016 when we were looking to try to get our family desperately out of the Disney parks and try something new. We did a short Bahamas trip and it we tried it out and we found that the Disney Dream was overcrowded, lacked entertainment, and was way overpriced. When we tried to watch the fireworks, we couldn't even get in a position to stand on the decks due to the overcrowding, much like their parks. We found that when they had events, they didn't have an alternative to that event, so everyone rushed to see that what, what was ever causing the overcrowding. It was very common that we would be going to bed right after eating dinner because there was nothing to do and the ship turned into a ghost ship at night. After our Disney cruise, we weren't sure if we would do another one, but after seeing all the advertisements from Royal Caribbean and seeing the price being less than half the cost of Disney Cruise Line, we thought we'd give it a try. And when I say half the cost, that's comparing a three-night Disney Bahamas cruise to a seven-night Oasis of the Seas Western Caribbean sailing. We went on uh, our cruise December of 2018 and truly had the time of our lives. There is no comparison between Disney and Royal Caribbean. The Oasis obviously held a lot more people, but it was never crowded. They truly have mastered ship's designs and entertainment handle, to handle the amount of people that are on the ship. Our children, who are 7 and 11 years old, continually tell us how much better the trip was and the best day of their lives. Needless to say, once you hear that from your kids and see their excitement, we immediately booked our second cruise for Harmony of the Seas for December of 2019. And this time, my parents have offered to tag along uh, as well for their first cruise ever. So now that my parents are Disney fanatics to try to get them to try and stop drinking the Disney Kool-Aid will be a challenge, but I think Royal Caribbean is up to handling it if it's anything like the trip we went on with Oasis. This brings me to a couple of the questions I have. My mother is gluten-free, and I know from listening to your past podcast that they'll have to be able to accommodate her. She has it she has it noted in her travel documents to Royal Caribbean, but is there anything else she needs to do before the cruise to make sure she gets the best food choices on the ship? The answer to your question, Adam, is no. For gluten-free, no. Uh, this is not a very hard uh, request to accommodate. I think she'll find quite a bit to choose from. And of course, as maybe you remember, Adam, if what we, you will see options inherently that are either, you know, 
gluten-free to begin with, or there'll be signs and, and indications that this particular item is gluten-free. But on top of that, be always feel free to ask for other options or you know see what other choices there are. So don't assume just because what you see is what you get. You should definitely feel free to always you know say and tell your mom, look, if there's something that really looks good to you, ask for something else. So there you go. Second question is is you know do you know how the drink card works? On our last cruise, we heard somebody talking about it. And I thought this said it was $75 for 10 drinks, since we aren't the biggest of drinkers, but do enjoy to have them and not pay the full price. I was hoping you could explain how to purchase the drink cards and where to get them. So the drink card is an option that's sometimes offered on Royal Caribbean ships, usually about halfway through the sailing at best, sometimes a little later, in which you pay a fee for a punch card for of drink. So the example you heard, Adam, is pretty indicative, uh, $75 plus 18% gratuity for 10 drinks on the drink card. The chief benefit, Adam, of the drink card is, over a drink package, is that you can share the drink card, whereas you cannot share a drink package. So what that means is, Adam, you're not a big drinker, that's great. You get the drink card, 10 drinks. You drink three or four, your wife drinks three or four, and your mom drinks one or two, right? Boom, there you go, 10 drinks, but you are only paying you know, well, before tax, or before gratuity, rather, you're paying $7.50 a drink as opposed to, you know, a lot of the cocktails which come in at easily over $10. That's quite a savings right there. Plus, you get to share it, which is really nice. The problem, Adam, is you'll never know if it'll be offered on your sailing. There's no way to know in advance, and there's no guarantee it'll be offered at all. You might go on the cruise, and it's not there. Uh, On our recent sailing, we just did on Brilliance, the one we just reviewed, it was offered on board, but, you know, those sailings we did on Symphony um, in November, they were not offered on board those sailings, and it's it's one of those kind of gambles a little bit. So if you're not a big drinker, don't get the drink package. Just, you know, roll the dice. And if it's there, it's there. And if it's not, do your drinking on shore. And lastly, uh, we have... Lastly, seeing if you know how the BOGO two-night dining package works for us, since we want to try some of the specialty dining, but not go all in to see if it's worth the extra money. It appears we have to do one restaurant on night one. Do we have to choose a restaurant ahead of time, or is that decided for us? Also... Do we get to decide which night we eat at the specialty dining, but not go until we actually see if we're worth the money? It appears that we want to do a restaurant on night one. Do we get to choose that restaurant ahead of time? Um, for most of your pocket, it sounds like we can decide the second restaurant location once we're on the ship, but just want to know if we're locked in on a specific day of the cruise. Thanks for your time and great podcast. Keep up the great work. Adam, thank you for the email. So the BOGO dining package works, and this is true of all dining packages, Adam, is they will assign something for you. You can change that. Uh, in fact, you should change that. Uh, they will. You have to eat at one of the restaurants on night one or night two. But then the rest of them, whatever you know, you, you have a two nighter, right? So the other one you can do on any other night of the cruise. So it's not just day one. So you you're going to have two restaurants in your situation. The first one must be on night one or night two. Royal will automatically assign something for you, but you can change that to whatever you want, dude. No problems at all. And then you assign, you know, you book a reservation um, for that second night, whatever works for you and subject to availability. Of course, the other thing, Adam, is you have to wait to get on board the ship. So you wait. You have to wait to book a reservation and a time once you're on board the ship. I know when you buy the package, it's going to ask you for a day and time. Just ignore that. That's just a... It, 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 I think it's more of a, a hint, uh, an issue with their system than anything else. But uh, go ahead and um, book it as soon as you get on board the ship, and it'll be good to go. All right, got time for one more email here, and it is going to be from Joe Vitale writes, 
My wife and I will be going on our second Royal Green Cruise this coming April on the Western Caribbean itinerary out of Tampa, celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. She really wants to go see the ruins at one of the ports. However, she does not want a long round trip to get there once off the ship. We're already planning on going to Maya Chan Beach, Coast of Maya, so we're looking at either Cozumel or Belize. Any recommendations? Do you also have any information on the key package? I'm curious as to the benefits, especially as it relates to the advantages of embarkation and disembarkation. Thanks for the info you provide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, good questions. Uh, and congratulations, 25 years, by the way. So, for Cozumel, there are two... Well, there's three choices, but only two of which are going to fit your criteria. Um, you have There are Mayan ruins on Cozumel Island. That's very convenient. You can probably be there in 10 or 20 minutes. It's just a taxi ride away. You can book it through Royal Caribbean. There's an excursion option there as well. Or you can do it on your own. In fact, probably a lot easier to do on your own, but whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Very easy. The problem is the Mayan ruins on Cozumel are nothing incredible. They're they're just that. They're Mayan ruins, but hey, you sell Mayan ruins. Maybe that's all you need to do. It's not a full-day thing. You should plan on doing something else after that, or before that, however you want to work it. Um, there are significantly better Mayan ruins on the mainland in Playa del Carmen. That's the area right across from Cozumel. There's, uh, Cozumel's an island, and there's a small channel between Cozumel and Playa del Carmen, the mainland, and you can take a ferry to get over to the mainland and see the ruins at Tulum, T-U-L-U-M. Um, the ruins at Tulum are quite beautiful. Uh, they're right on the water. There's a beach over there. Everyone, it's, it's wonderful. The problem with Tulum is you need to take the ferry right over there. And the ferry um, is has a bit of a reputation. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the calmest vessel you've ever sailed on. Now, again, obviously, it'll depend greatly on the weather you have there, but I've heard quite a bit of people talk about it to the point that it has the nickname of the Vomit Comet. Now, of course, Joe, do people go on that every day? Of course they do, Joe. Of course a lot of people go on that every sailing. You're going to have hundreds, probably, that go on the Vomit Comet, and I bet you not hundreds are, are throwing up you know, all over the place. There's a lot of factors that go into seasickness, and we don't need to get into it here. So I don't want you to think that just because... I'm saying this, you should avoid it. I'm not certainly not advocating it. What I would tell you is if you're going to go there, I would take Bonine or some other anti-motion uh, sickness medicine preemptively. Not like, we'll wait and see. No, take it preemptively but, and know the know the score, essentially. Know what's coming your way with that. The good thing about Tulum is that it's right up. Once you get over there, you're, you're basically there. It's just a short ride uh, in, a, in a car or bus or whatever to the ruins. Whereas there's the best Mayan ruins are at Chichen Itza on the mainland as well. But this is an all-day affair. This is exactly what your wife does not want to go to, uh, or she does. The problem is, it's going to take. It's like eight hours, of which about six of them are involved in transportation, like driving, and you don't want to do that. If if your wife is saying that they don't want to spend a lot of time uh, round trip to get there, then Chichen Itza is not the way. The thing with Chichen Itza, though, is Chichen Itza is like it's two Mayan ruins as the pyramids at Giza are to Egyptian pyramids. They're just incredible. It's the best ones out there. But, you know, I, you won't be the first person to balk at that kind of travel time involved. And lastly, the key pack. So the key is a VIP guest experience. I'm actually trying it out for the first time on Mariner of the Seas coming up here in March. But I'll tell you that in your situation, the reason why you might want to do it is you're not saying, I'm assuming you're not staying in a suite. You were going to buy the internet anyway. And lastly, and most importantly, you're going to Belize. And Belize is a tender port. And Belize... Uh, has a very long tender ride. It means the little ferry ride from your ship to shore. It's about half an hour each way. Um, and if you have the key, you're supposed to get priority embarkation, priority tender service, which means you're not waiting nearly in as many lines. And lines can develop, uh, especially in the morning, for the tender process. So 
that almost might make the entire thing worthwhile. So, you know, Joe, with the key, like I tell people all the time, it really boils down to these kind of questions. If you were, if you were going to buy the internet anyway, you're not staying in a suite, and you don't have particularly high level of crown and anchor society status, like you're below a diamond as an example, then you can make a pretty good argument, if you said yes to all those things, that the key makes sense. And with the and on top of that, you have interest in taking advantage of, you know, some of the signature activities included, like the rock climbing wall. Uh, I'm not sure which ship you're... Oh, you're going on Rhapsody. Okay, there's no flow rider on the ship. But, you know, you're going to do the... You want to do the rock climbing wall, of which you'll have priority access to that. You know, if you're going to take advantage of it, it is worth it. But the first three questions I asked you, Joe, were the most important ones. If you have to say it's all three, otherwise, I don't know that it is worth it. So hopefully that answers your question there. Joe, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. And until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.